HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit Kane5.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. All right. Thanks for tuning in to the Heritage Radio Network. We are coming to you live, as always, from the back of Roberta's Pizza on a sunny and cold day here in beautiful Bushwick, Brooklyn. You're listening to The Farm Report, and I'm your host, Erin Fairbanks. Um, excited to be back. My first show of the new year. It's It's been a hot minute, and uh, looking forward to kicking off the new year with our guest today, Mike Fettison. He's the assistant manager up at Hilltop Hanover Farm and Environmental Center. Uh, it's a farm and environmental center up in Westchester. Mike, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. So I'm excited to learn a little bit more about the farm and your work. I mean, you guys are in one of those areas we hear a lot about kind of operating in agriculture on the urban fringe. And the farm has kind of a unique history with regards to um, its its ownership. And I'm wondering if maybe you can take us through a little bit of the the, the recent history uh, that got you to the place you are today, where you're operating both as the farm and the and the education center. Sure, no problem. Um, so for I mean the, a few hundred years that you know there was uh, a farm on the property, and in the the last incarnation, uh, agricultural incarnation, was a, a dairy farm where they uh, bred cows. And then in the 90s, that sort of went under and the the farm was defunct. The county decided to purchase the land about 10 years ago, in 2003, um, primarily for open space uh, preservation, um, uh, watershed protection. We're right above the Croton Reservoir for um, New York City water supply. And um, so the the county purchased the land and then... um, they, there was a, a few different models of, of what the, the county was going to do with the land and what um, has sort of evolved over time. A few, three years ago, the, the Friends of Hilltop Hanover Farm, a, a nonprofit organization formed and now leases the farm property from the county. And the, the Friends, the nonprofit group, kind of has a dual mission of 
you know, we're a crop farm. We grow five or six acres of veggies every year, but we also are, we do a lot of education and outreach and um, kind of promotion of, of farming in, in Westchester County. Yeah, I think it's so interesting. I mean, as we're kind of looking at the, the future of farming and, and protecting farmland in this region in particular, particular kind of exploring some different models for how that might happen. So here it sounds like this really interesting kind of public-private collaboration. And I'm wondering, I want to start off with the, the education piece. Um, the, so can you give us some examples of, of what are the, the kind of thrust of the education work that you're doing? Is it geared towards uh, consumers or geared towards other producers? What's the focus? Um, a little bit of, of sort of everything now. We're kind of... Um trying a, a lot of different things and um so we ha- we do school programs during you know in the spring and the fall we have school groups that come for for visits and they you know get to learn about the farm and you know har- harvest something that's in season and take that home we also um a few years ago started a program with Westchester Community College um in their continuing education division they have a certificate program in sustainable agriculture so we are teaching classes that lead to that certificate program here at the farm. Um, and so there, we do classes in crop production and business and marketing and greenhouses and pests and that sort of thing that are geared toward um, it's a, uh, the participants in the program tend to be people maybe thinking about changing careers or not, you know, not coming from a farming background but interested in kind of going beyond the basic gardening classes, which we also do um, – sort of the uh, Saturday morning gardening classes as well for the public during the season. So shifting gears to kind of look at the other side of operations, you are a working crop farm. Now you said you guys are planting around five five to six acres. Of yes. What, so what type of uh, vegetables are you producing and, and what's the season that you guys are running? Um, so right now, last winter we started, um, was the first season that we started growing in an unheated hoop house. So we're sort of going all year round. The, the winter is kind of slow. Um, you know, we have kale and spinach and greens like that in the hoop house in the winter time. But, um, you know, the, the main summer is obviously the main season. And so we have a CSA and with 140 or so families and farmers farm stand on the property. And then um, we also sell to a few restaurants in the area as well, all, all in Westchester County. And then um, part of the farm's mission is to also donate to the food bank too. So we, I think this year we gave, I think 8,000 pounds of food to the food bank as well. So it's a little bit of every, so this CSA crop list is kind of a, a little bit of everything, you know. And any kind of livestock or animals on the property? We have uh, about 50 laying hens or so that we are um, kind of toying around with right now. <laughs> Not toying around with, we, 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 we sell the eggs, I should say. <laughs> I'm like imagining, you know, different like chicken uh, pyramids or formations, maybe a small marching band, but you know, it's more like a standard egg production. Yeah, yeah, we and um, yeah, so we got. I think this is the second year that we've had the the chicken product, the egg production. So we're kind of slowly, kind of working in, on integrating that, and um, you know, there's a there's a huge demand for eggs in the area. So one of the things that's difficult with the eggs is, you know, you sort of open a kind of a can of worms when you tell people you have eggs for sale and we only have 50 chickens so there's definitely a lot more room for for people to 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 raise eggs 
Nice. So um, is the is the type of um, small-scale vegetable production that you're doing typical to the Westchester area? Can you give us a sense of how the farm sits in the context of other uh, ag operations that are, are in the region? Yeah, I think it's a fairly typical size farm. I, I'm, I'm familiar with a handful of other farms in, in the county, and they're all, you know, sort of a medium-small size um, scale and um the you know the, the ones that i can think of off the top of my head that are pretty successful or tend to be doing the you know the sustain you know vegetable non-certified vegetable type of production non-certified organic vegetables yeah so i was noticing that on on the website you guys talk about the the growing methods that you use and being an herbicide and pesticide free farm and uh growing using kind of organic methods but not certified organic why is that um, well, we do most of our sales um, direct to the um, direct to the consumer, so whether the consumer is a restaurant or a, a CSA family, and so it's really not essentially it's not necessary for us to um, you know it's different from when you're going to the grocery store and you're buying a bag of corn chips and you you want it to have the organic stamp on it. You know, all the food is going you know to uh, primarily to people that actually come to the farm and pick it up, so they you know they can see what we're doing here and. Um, you know, it's kind of an, an extra hoop that we're fortunate we don't have to jump through. I, I'm just curious, too, from like, well, I mean, I guess from an education standpoint, the, and this is something I've heard from other growers that are about this size, is that the 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 process, and who are doing direct sales, that the organic certification process is, is, is not necessary or the kind of, it's not worth the investment, but... Is it an investment of, of, of money, of time, of, of, of record-keeping? I mean, it seems to me there is some value in kind of having an increased number of um, certified, you know, cause, because you can be counted. Um, I think so. But, I mean, but um, I, I'm just wondering, like, you know, what, what are the particular barriers that yeah. are jumping out? I think, I mean, my understanding, I could be wrong about this, but I think a farm our size might have um, the certification might cost somewhere in the ballpark of about $1,000 a year. And, and there's a, a really intense record-keeping process. Um, the farms in the area, I'm only familiar with one or two. I know um, Ryder Farm in Brewster is certified organic, and they, how I, and they go to the Union Square Green Market. And I think that's, so I feel like that's something that, um, helps them make more sense of that because if you want to, if you're at the Union Square Green Market, there's a definite benefit to being able to say the the word organic on your sign and draw more people in that way. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, now, how about yourself, Mike? How did you come to to your role at Hilltop? Um, pretty roundabout. I grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia, and um, after college, I moved to New York City and got a job um, with the City Parks Foundation. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, but um, a little bit. they're sort of a sister to the Parks and Rec Department, and I was a gardening teacher there for a few years. And I was really lucky to have um, some really good coworkers to work with and help me to learn gardening because I had had a lot of teaching but not a lot of gardening experience. And so all of a sudden I had nine different gardens to, to help take care of all around the city, and so I was kind of did a lot of learning on my feet for a couple of years, and it was kind of neat because you could go every day. We're going to a different garden, so we could, you know, I could I wouldn't have to wait until the following year to kind of refine what I was doing and kind of um, change my the learning curve a little bit, so you can 
kind of do something a little bit different just the next day. And how did you make yeah. your way up to Hilltop? Um, so then, so actually, I did that for a few years, and then I decided I really wanted to to learn how to be a, a real farmer, I guess. And so I apprenticed for a few years in um, on CSA farms in Pennsylvania. And um, my wife and I moved back to the area a few years ago. This is my this is my third year at Hilltop. Interesting. And was there someone in your position before you? Um, there, there was, but it's a, um, the, actually the, the current farm manager was the former assistant farm manager, I guess. Got it. And then he, so, um, but it's a, you know, it's a new organization, so we're kind of, um, lucky we can kind of, you know, we can, ex- I'm really interested in the, the education side and the teaching, and so I get, I kind of, they've given me a lot of freedom to kind of delve into that and, and work with the community college and work with other, um, programs to help educate other people and other farmers. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I also think it's like one of those interesting things that the skills, I wonder, and maybe you could speak to this a little bit, the the skills of a, of a grower, the skills of a farmer, and the skills of a, someone who can teach and be an educator, um, you know, are there many overlaps there? Do you feel like you're kind of taking one hat on and off as you go between the two? I mean, I, yeah. There's, I think there's a ton of overlap. I um, had a, a job a few years ago as a chemistry teacher at a, a community college, and that I feel that was sort of something I I happened into, and I feel really fortunate that I was forced to really learn my my chemistry well enough to teach it, because you know we do a lot of work with our soil testing and balancing the, the trace elements in the soil, and I feel like. Having had that experience just a few years ago made you know kind of made me a lot more comfortable, you know, not not just reading the soil tests and and thinking about what we should do, but to, um, you know, to be able to explain that to other people. Yeah, making the transition between yeah. the two that makes sense. Well, we are going to take just a, a short break, and we come back. I want to talk a little bit more about what's happening up at the farm. So hang tight. You're listening to the Farm Report, and we'll be back after a short break. You're listening to Memorial Day by Iggy Dean on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. This is Chris Howell from Kane Vineyard and Winery, calling in from Spring Mountain above the Napa Valley. In our industrial world, most wines have become brands, but the wines I love are so much more. Fine wine is a civilizing substance that connects us to nature. It cannot be stamped out in a factory. If you're listening to this great show, you probably eat different. 
I urge you to drink different too. Go deeper. Cane5.com. All right, we're back. You're tuned into the Farm Report on the Heritage Radio Network after a little bit of a funky musical break. Uh, we're on the line with Mike Fettison of Hilltop Hanover Farm and Educational Center. So, Mike, I want to tuck into a little bit of the business end of things. Because you guys are such a um, kind of uniquely situated organization, um, for folks out there who are thinking about alternative ways to kind of get into agriculture. I want to give them a sense of what this type of system looks like. So you're, um, you know, the property is owned by, 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 by the Westchester County and then leased to the Friends Group, which is a nonprofit that holds the lease and runs the financials of the farm. Is that right? Or right. So I, correct. So I'm an, so I'm an employee of the, the nonprofit of the Friends and, um, the you know all the the vegetable sales and the the wages for the the employees of the nonprofit kind of you know have to to balance out being being a nonprofit though we can we're also eligible for grants and things like that as well so you're not looking to be essentially self sustaining by what you're producing on the farm um, I think that i mean that would be a great goal I think that would be difficult for a couple of reasons you know this is a, a very old farm for a few hundred years and there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of infrastructure and buildings, and there's a you know there's a giant dairy barn with two enormous silos, and there's sort of a lot of things that need maintenance. That if you were starting a scratch and starting from scratch and wanted to have kind of a lean farm business, you wouldn't you know you you wouldn't really need those kinds of things. So, and um, also that you know the education aspect we have um, you know we have the classrooms to keep up and. Um, and that side of things as well. No, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm curious. Do you happen to know the 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 ter- the terms of the lease to the county? Is it? Uh, be, this is something that I feel like comes up often when we're looking at kind of alternative um, land um, land leasing or land access issues for mm-hmm. people in the farming areas having uh, the need to have a long term lease for an organization or an individual farmer to be able to really invest. Um, in the property in a way that's going to lead to ultimately like a, a viable um, operation. Is there a, a time frame with the lease arrangement that you're aware of? There is. I should have studied that before uh, this call. But, um, when the, the friends group formed, I, the way I understand it, it was that there was a, a shorter term lease. And then I think just last year that was kind of renegotiated into a, to a longer term lease. And that was really important to have that longer-term lease for a number of reasons. Um, there's a lot of uh, grants that are kind of dependent on having a longer-term lease on the land that you become eligible for, I think, from the USDA and other places. And, I mean, as well as just, you know, if you're running a business, you want to you want to be sure that you're going to be there in 10 years. And, there's a, you know, when you're thinking about buying expensive, um, infra- you know, infrastructure improvements and uh, – you know, tractor attachments and things like that. You want to kind of have some more surety that you're gonna you're gonna still be there. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Now, so then, kind of operationally, with regards to the you know day to day decisions and kind of the ins and outs of working the farm, I'm assuming that's pretty 
nested within you know your position and the farm manager but how does the the friends group come into play is there a board and and can you talk a little bit about where what type of decisions they're more or less involved in and and kind of operationally where you're feeling kind of their fingerprint yeah the board so the, yeah so there's a board um and that meets pretty regularly and they are you know, they're kind of involved less, I think, in the, the day-to-day running of the farm, but sort of more in the longer-term vision of are we going to, um, you know, get more into doing cooking classes to focus on that. Are we going to um, – they're, they're working now, I know, on developing uh, Westchester County Farm Trail with the state uh, eggs and markets department, you know, to kind of link all – to try to, you know, improve the links between all the farms in the area and – so, that, so I think they're they're primarily involved in kind of the, the bigger picture items, while um, the the rest of us um, kind of have our more hands hands more in the dirt, I guess. Yeah, no, that I mean that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, I'm, and I'm I'm curious, you know, as um, you know, as a young professional who who's looking to be engaged in agriculture, maybe you can tease out for our listeners some of the kind of pluses and minuses in working for an organization like this, where you're kind of part of a bigger team and a slightly more dynamic um, financial and ownership situation versus um, you know going out on your own and attempting to like. Uh, run your own business or your own education model. I just, I think, you know, oftentimes when people think about engaging in agriculture, it feels like there's, oh, one or two ways to do it, but there's kind of a myriad of options, and maybe you can share with us some of the, the pros and cons to to the this route um, that people should be thinking about if they were going to pursue a similar position or maybe one of the alternatives. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a really great question. Um, the so the the year before I came to Hilltop, I managed a small uh, one acre vegetable business up in Brewster, and it was you know primarily me that was doing um, everything. I had I had help from from people, but um, you know, and and that was very very difficult. You know, to be responsible for animals, you need to be on the property seven days a week, and um, you know you have to be there to water the plants in the greenhouse twice a day, and. Um, you know, it was a lot of early mornings, you know, waking up and at four and putting on the headlamp to harvest the lettuces before you go to the farmer's market. And um, after doing that for a year and kind of thinking about that, I decided that um, I became more interested, I guess, in working at a, a, a larger organization where I could, you know, would be responsible for a piece of the pie and not for for the whole pie. And I can, and there's a lot of advantages to being at a larger organization. I could do I'm interested in, in education and teaching as well, so I can I can I can do that more. Whereas when I was uh, on my own little farm, um, there just weren't any hours left in the day for for that. So, so kind of can wear yeah. a diversity of hats, a little yeah. bit of like share sharing the sharing the stress amongst a bigger right. group, mm-hmm. kind of different stuff. Right. And it's, it's great to have people to to rely on and lean on, and and you know you learn always learn from your coworkers. So. Um, we have a lot of really experienced people working here now, so that's been really nice. Great. Well, on the education end, can you give us an example? I mean, and you had mentioned the partnership with the um, Westchester Community College and the courses that you have. Um, 
on site, you know, for kind of young professionals who are who are interested in, in kind of taking those next steps, um, you know, maybe you can point out some resources that you guys have and some other things that people might want to think about uh, as they look to tease out those next steps for themselves. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely recommend, um, you know, going to any of the farm conferences, the, the New York, uh, Northeast, I always get that NOFA acronym wrong. The NOFA, I know, me too. I'm not going to try it, but NOFA, Google it. They're uh, awesome. (laughs) This weekend up in in Saratoga. And then um, closer, though, the Connecticut NOFA is having a conference in Danbury, Connecticut, which is just maybe about an hour north of the city, an hour and a half. And, um, um, you know, those conferences are a great great way to learn. Um, But kind of, you know, there's sort of... Uh, I, I was going to say there's no substitute for experience, but I guess the, um, you know, the idea of behind all these classes is that, you know, maybe you can kind of shortcut your way to having a little more experience and not have to go through all of the, the painful trial by error steps, and you can get to the point where you're, um, you know, you're understanding a little bit more about the progression of the seasons and kind of the, some of the bigger picture things a little bit quicker than if you just leap right into things. So yeah. I think, um, yeah, I mean, there's in, in the city, I know uh, Just Food has a, a farmer educator program as well, I think. And, um, yeah, there, there's a lot of great re, uh, resources out there. And now you guys are, it looks like, doing a little hiring for the upcoming season. Is that right? We are. We are hiring seasonal farm workers right now, I believe, to start uh, in April or May and kind of go through the fall. But there may. But so we, we have kind of a, a variety of positions where we have a few people on staff year-round, and then we have longer season employees that are kind of April to Thanksgiving. And then we hire also hire a number of sort of June, July, August type of positions as well. And can you, so I, I get this question a lot from people who they're like, I want to get out of the city or I, I want to go try farming. You know, they look at, um, they look at woofing, they look at, you know, Orion job posting. In a job posting, do you have any, like, what should people be looking for? You know, there's internships, there's paid work, there's like different times of spaces. I mean, any, any thoughts with regards to kind of, red flags or green flags um, that, you know, as people are kind of thinking about moving into something like that, I feel like it's hard to navigate the different options and yeah, don't even know what to look for. Yeah, I mean, there, there's so many different positions that every farm is different and every farm manager that you would work for is different. And, um, you know, the three apprenticeships that I did in Pennsylvania were all, you know, they were similar in the sense that they all provided housing and kind of a weekly stipend but they were, they're were all different as far as, you know, the work expectations during the week or the weekends. And um, I think it's just best you just want to ask a lot of questions before you, you leap in, especially um, um, I did a couple of, of woofing volunteer, um, I don't know, uh, volunteer occasions. And um, I think especially with something like that where you're, um, you want to really make sure you ask a lot of questions about, you know, where you're going to be and what the housing is like and, um, make sure you know what you're getting into. Make sure um, you know you have the right clothes and all that sort of thing. But um, so don't be yeah, don't be afraid to kind of push back on the question front. Yeah, because I think you know farmer you know people on the other side of the computer tend to be busy, and you kind of it, it shouldn't be shy about kind of poking them for more information. I don't think. 
Good. I know I've definitely had friends who have shown up uh, to to the farm that was, you know, not what they were expecting and then been in kind of a difficult position of, of being halfway across the country and figuring out, you know, what was next for them. Well, so if folks want to learn more about the farm, they can definitely visit you at www.hilltophanoverfarm.org. Um, any other kind of um, upcoming events or things that people should be looking for forward to or in the, in the months to come, or is it kind of quiet right now? Um, it's kind of quiet right now. We're just actually putting together our calendar of classes and programs for the year. Um, that should be up on our website pretty soon. Um, most uh, Saturdays during the season we have, during the, the warmer part of the season, I guess, um, we have cooking classes and gardening classes going on at the farm. And, um, yeah, there's, there's, uh, every week there's, there's different things happening up here. So. Awesome. Well, Mike, thank you so much for joining us, folks, Westchester County, just north of the city. So if you're lucky enough to be living in the city, uh, not, not far to go to check out some of that stuff. Mike, thanks so much. All right. Thank you. This has been another episode of The Farm Report on the Heritage Radio Network. This program, like all 30 of our live weekly shows, are available for free as a download through iTunes or Stitcher Smart Radio. Uh, you can find us on our website, www.heritageradionetwork.org. Check in daily there on the website. Lots of great news coverage on the homepage. And if you like what we do and want to support our work, please consider becoming a member by clicking that Donate tab. And stay tuned in. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.